Great morning, great afternoon, great evening, wherever this conversation finds you. This is Gray Transforms. I am Travis Gray. Today we are transforming with the brilliant light that is David Bruner. He was the senior minister and spiritual director for the Center for Spiritual Living San Jose for two and a half decades. I had the pleasure to be introduced to David and the Center for Spiritual Living through my loving relationship with the delightful Darren O'Donnell, uh, who's also the CEO of Osteo Strong San Jose. So I had met Darren the day before I decided that, um, or she had mentioned to me that she was going to this Center for Spiritual Living. And it it was a little different than your everyday church, the, like the Christian, uh, very like the dogmatic ideology of, a, of that a religion can feel like or that a, that a church can feel like. It sounded different. It sounded more aligned with the field that I am in, transpersonal psychology. So I, I decided, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll explore that. And when I looked at the event page the night after meeting Darren, I, I looked at the event page and there was a guest speaker on that Sunday and that guest speaker wrote a book called Callings and that 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 author is Greg Lavoy and Greg uh, has been on the podcast as well so you can check out his episode but he had a required that that book Callings was a required text in one of my classes at Sophia University for my master's of counseling psychology. So I was like, wow, this is an awesome opportunity to get this book signed and check check all of that out. And every Sunday after that Sunday, I, I missed very few. <laughs> so I continued to go to the Center for Spiritual Living. And, and a lot of that was due to David Bruner. So thank you so much, David, for, for being here. How are you today? I'm great, Travis, and it's really good to be with you. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate being invited. It's been a while since I've seen you. It makes yeah. my heart really happy to see you. It makes me happy to see you too. I, I I found you to be such a such an authentic being on, you know, like there there's this sense that somebody can be you know, uh, like acting or, you know, trying to be the minister or trying to be something like trying to pr uh, present, put on this, this show that is, that is, you know, maybe it feels like a facade, but mm -hmm. I have always found your sermons. I've always found your, you're just a, a wonderful order a wonderful storyteller and so authentic in your, and you're presenting all of that. Um, how did I, I know you've told this story before, but I would love for the audience that doesn't know you, I would love to for you to tell the story about how you got into this, uh, how how you got into ministry. What when when did that call call you? Oh, I I love that question. That's a that's a, a great moment to reflect. It was so I, I'm from the Los Angeles area in California and. And I was uh, 17 years old and I was working at a supermarket. I was a supermarket checker. I, I was working the night shift and we're talking 1980. This would have been like 1985 and then 86. No, it was actually 1920. Anyway, I was um, working in a supermarket and when the bars would close, there was nowhere for people to go back then. You know, there were not a lot of 24 hour anything. So the the bars would close and people would come hang out in the supermarket. And so 
um, I, I found it a great opportunity to be in the presence of people who had nowhere to go, but had had a need to be met. And there was a customer who used to come in every night. She wasn't there because the bars had closed. She was she couldn't sleep and she couldn't sleep because um, her son had been diagnosed with HIV. And in in that period, what that really meant was he was most likely going to die. And she was searching for alternatives. And 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 when I would get off at six in the morning, she would be there in the parking lot and we would go explore. I remember we would be checking out functions that were teaching us about using crystals and we would do tarot cards and past life regressions and whole life readings and Shirley McLean workshops and Est and Landmark and Coursera. And, and one day she said, would you go with me to this church? Now, I knew that I was gay and, and I knew that I had a, at that time, a, there was a conflict between my church given religion and my God given intelligence. And, and I was missing my Catholic roots, the experience of spiritual community. But I, I was um, torn. So when she said, do you want to go to church? I'm thinking, I'd rather not. But here was a mother who was desperate. So the only answer I could give was sure. And when I was, when I was um, at that church, that was the Huntington Beach Church of Religious Science. And the minister was Dr. Peggy Bassett. And I remember her saying, Good morning, all you seroptimists. And then she went, wait, this is the wrong notes. And then, and then she just started talking and I leaned in because I thought, wow, this is very, very real. And while she was talking about personal responsibility and about there being no limits with, with what any human can do, um, something in me began to awaken. And, and Janet leaned over and said, you're going to do that. And and I looked at her and said, I am. And that's how I got my calling. That's how it all began. So how did I, Janet know? How did Janet know that you were going to do that? I love that question. No one's ever asked me that one, Travis. Probably because she saw how how what I was hearing and experiencing uh brought me to life. Like I I it wasn't like I was with her because she needed help. I too was in in a space of question and and seeking and I was hungry. I was really, really hungry. And she must have seen that. Yeah. So she saw how it was it was reflecting this light in you that it was ready to to be born, ready to ready to flourish, ready to blossom. And uh, it's done such an amazing job. So many people love you and have loved your teachings and have been transformed by your work for, for two and a half decades of ministerial work. That is the long time to be, you know, senior minister to operate the, the church and, and, and do all of the great work that you've done in the world. And um, and it has always returned to you multiplied abundantly. <laughs> so totally. I, I would, yeah. So I, I've been I've been re- you know re- really early on when when I I I knew with uh, with Greg Lavoy and Colleen's I knew oh wow that that has some connection to to transpersonal psychology so that inspired me to continue to go and then I think the very first sermon that I heard you speak about you had you had spoken about the the banners. 
And it was, it was, it was really the, the initiation for me into the, the, the science of mind of Ernest Holmes, the center for mm -hmm. spiritual living, really what this, what this uh, teaching is about. And, and it was, it was inspiring for me to be, for it to be so aligned with the field of transpersonal psychology, because it is not a, it's not a single religious thing. It's a, it, it's it's the it's the weaving together of all that we can learn from all of the different religions and 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 even beyond that. And and there there's a synthesis uh, involved. And 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 really beautifully put, you had spoken about the different religions. Um, I I don't know if right offhand you're able to uh, to speak to mm -hmm. that. Again. Uh, I, I have I have it in front of me as well, but um, can you share with us what, what I have it here and here. You got it there, yeah. So can you share with us that that piece? Yeah. I was always moved, really, really moved, Travis, when I would watch my mother. Her name was Dolores. When I would watch her. Every Saturday night, she would take all of us kids and we'd go to St. Gertrude's, the church in which I was raised, and we would go for confession. And for me, it was always the same. It was just something I had to do. So I'd go in, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been one week since my last confession. I always had the same one. During this week, I lied, I disobeyed my parents, and I fought with my brothers and sisters. It was always the same. Um, but when my mother would leave the confessional, and all of his kids would be hanging around in the back pew. My mother would give us a look. And the look was, it was a clear message. And that was, don't speak. And she would walk past us and she would walk up the center aisle of this, this old dark church. And she would drop to her knees just below the statue of Mary. And, and her head would be bowed and she would be totally silent and still for a very long time. Now. I don't think any of my siblings nor I knew what was really going on, but we knew something was happening. And then when my mother would stand up and do the sign of the cross and look at us, we could see she was not the same woman that had gone into the confessional. There was transformation. Now I'm bringing that up because fast forward many years, I had a friend named Brian and he was a Nishiren Shoshu Buddhist, the, the, the sect that would practice the chanting of Nam Yoho Renge Kyo. And I noticed that he too, after he finished his chanting, was transformed. And I wondered, we're talking 40 years ago, I wondered why is it my mother the Catholic and my friend Brian the Buddhist practice very different practices, but they both seem to be producing results. And that began a, a serious curiosity and, and search for me. When I went to this religious science church, I began to notice that they were speaking about religion and spirituality in a way that was distinct from when I was in university. Because I don't know if you went to um, you went into comparative religion classes. They usually look to see where are religions different, but in this particular place, they were looking at what are the similarities. So, back to your question. That was a long answer. Here's the question. At the San Jose Center for Spiritual Living, there are eight banners hanging in the sanctuary. There is a cross for Christianity. There is the Star of David for Judaism. 
there is the Aum symbol for Hinduism, there is Islam, Confucianism, and various others. But in a nutshell, here it is. In Judaism, we learn there's one God. In Christianity, we learn you can have a personal relationship with it. In Hinduism, we learn it has many faces and many voices, and yours is one of its faces and one of its voices. In, in the Tao, in the Tao, we learn, you know, I've been saying this for so many years, it's kind of beginning to dissipate like a dream. Sure. Um, we learn that no matter what you call it, you're still not it because it's always more than what you call it. And in the native traditions, in pagan and earth-based traditions, we learn that everything is interconnected. And in Buddhism, we learn that there is suffering in the world and suffering has a cause and a cure. And in Islam, we learn that one of the cures is to practice your practice. And in the science of mind, we learn that all of them have three things in common. This is what really moved me. It's why I think my mom's prayers as a Catholic and Brian's chanting as a Buddhist produce results. Um, almost every religion, whether it's deity-based or earth-based, they all have three things in common. One of them is they all believe that there is a, a power that's in and through everything, including you and me. Second thing they all teach in some way or another, is the law of cause and effect. What you put out is what you get back. What you plant is what you will, you will, you will reap. Um, Buddhists tell, tell you, tell me what you think about. Tell me what you dwell upon. I'll show you what you are. Mm. And the third thing is what some call the 11th commandment. Don't do anything to anyone else that you wouldn't want someone to do unto you. So... That's a very long answer for those banners. Yeah. And I don't have any answers. I just keep getting more and more questions, but I'm moved by them. It's, it's, a, it's a valuable way to look at the comparative religions in a, in a way that is not uh, comparing, but in integrating, we, weaving together, looking at what all this talk Huxley called the perennial philosophy. Alan Watts spoke about that even further. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and that for perennial wisdom that, that uh, the many rivers lead to the same ocean. It's a really beautiful way to, to re recognize just, just how those rivers are moving to that same one ocean. Um, I, I really, as you were saying this, I, I really, um, my mind stuck on because recently I've been, I've been looking at the, uh, oh, I don't know which way it is. Oh, this way. Uh, I've been looking at the uh, Tao Te Ching a lot. And, mm. um, and the Tao Te Ching has been uh, coming up in conversations a lot. And you had just mentioned that, the that that no matter no matter what we think it is tr try to you know tr try to uh, claim it to be or something it is still not that it is still also more than that mm -hmm. um so um what what would you say is you know as as somebody that is that has given 20 years of of sermons you've you've spoken so much and and you just said you're um, you, you're 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 not finding more answers. You're finding more questions. You're continuing to 
to ask these really beautiful, uh, profound questions uh, about about the nature of your relationship with with spirit. Uh, how, how can like do do words become a do they become a a crux? Do do can can language become a can can it get in the way of understanding? Can language get in the way of our understanding? Does it does it um does it does it clog like the this this channel of relating to to God at times? That can can you can you speak to that? It's a it's a valuable way to look at the comparative religions in a, in a way that is not uh, comparing but in integrating weaving together looking at. That what all this talk Huxley called the perennial philosophy. Alan Watts spoke about that even further, mm-hmm. and 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 that for perennial wisdom that that uh, the many rivers lead to the same ocean. It's a really beautiful way to to re- recognize just just how those rivers are moving to that same one ocean. Um, I, I really, as you were saying this, I, I really, um, my mind stuck on because recently I've been, I've been looking at the, uh, oh, I don't know which way it is. Oh, this way. Uh, I've been looking at the uh, Tao Te Ching a lot. And, mm. um, and the Tao Te Ching has been uh, coming up in conversations a lot. And you had just mentioned that, the the that no matter no matter what we think it is try to you know try to uh, claim it to be or something it is still not that it is still also more than that Mm -hmm. um so um what what would you say is you know as as somebody that is that has given 20 years of of sermons you've you've spoken so much and and you just said you're um, you, you're 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 not finding more answers. You're finding more questions. You're continuing to to ask these really beautiful, uh, profound questions uh, about about the nature of your relationship with with spirit. Uh, how, how can like do do words become a do they become a a crux? Do do can can language become a can can it get in the way of understanding? Can language get in the way of our understanding? Does it does it um, does it does it clog like the this this channel of relating to to God at times? That can can you can you speak to that? Hmm. Dude, you like to dive into the deep end, don't you? I, <laughs> yeah, we dive into the deep end for sure. <laughs> you know, I remember hearing one of my early teachers say that. Um, all creation exists in language. That's where creation exists. It's always in language. What you really, really want in life, whatever it is you want or need, is not just what you're going to find on the shelves of Walmart or Target or the supermarket or be delivered by Amazon. It exists in your mouth. And, and this is, this is where my experience of studying so many religions and philosophies over the years have proven consistent. And that is no matter what's going on, whatever you name it makes it so. So whether you're having a shitty day or a great day, it really is simply from the perspective coming out of your mouth. Mm. Um, I'm moved that at all times there's 
always three futures at play. Even right now, for you, Travis, and for me, and for anyone who might be listening or, or watching, there's always three futures at play. One, there's a future you hope for. I hope I win the lottery. I hope I lose weight. I hope I can fit into my bikini. Two, there's the future you plan for. I plan for my retirement. I plan for that vacation. Uh, I plan for this podcast. Or three, the probable, almost certain future if you don't do something to intervene with the inertia. So the future you hope for, the future you plan for, or the probable, almost certain future. And for me, the distinguishing element, what, what produces the results I want versus the results I get, the, the factor would be language. What am I calling it? And that's, that's turned out to be really, really important. When I'm thinking about, um, let me just stop right there. Yeah. You, you know, the, the, the you, you, uh, noticing or, or, you know, m- mentioning, I, I, I really like to dive in. I, I, I do, uh, definitely. And, and a part of diving into this specific uh, kind of uh, question. I, I know the the question wasn't generated uh, perfectly, but it, it was like the, diving into that specific thing is because I, I'm really fascinated by uh, uh, the Tao Te Ching is really good at um, at speed. You know, the the Tao, the way it it cannot be. It, it, it there's there's like qu- quotes around like it cannot be. It, it can't be perfectly saying it's it's a it's 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 beyond the the song it's beyond the uh the note it's 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 the it's it's the intangible that is between all of the things and there is something uh, in connection to language my first language being american sign language uh my mother being deaf my grandmother grandfather being deaf it, it, it there's there's something really tremendous about how their lived experience has has happened in in life and all of the all of the information and all of the experience that uh, i personally have in in spiritual environments or or in spiritual teachings there there's often music there's often song there's often the, this voicing of words and language but but in in sign language, there's it, it there's a it's it's a little bit more subtle. It, the the language is more subtle because it is not defined in these enunciated syllables and and things. It's it's uh, it, it's it's a it's a bodily communication of of a, of an underlying message that is aiming to be communicated and and in some ways when we when we speak about spirit when we speak about god we we are we're using language to point at things and, and i love the the what you what you just brought in the three ways that we are you know our, our future our present and what we would what would happen if we were to do nothing like the the if we if we are to stay static then our life is to like um it, you know you you just you age very quickly if you do if you do not move you 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 disintegrate you're 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 allowing you're you're allowing like the universe to to take you back over something like that and um i had a teacher and, by and the then, way I had yeah. a teacher, he, 
He said, when you stop living, life will take you out. Yeah. Life will take you out if you stop living, if you stop moving, if you stop interacting, engaging. Um, and, and, and the level at which that you are conscious in that engagement with life is the level that you're going to be able to r- rise to or, or fulfill or attract into, into your sphere. Um, and, and then this, this also seems to be, uh, very, uh, connected to what you do in NLP work. So, uh, in the, it, so, you know, the, the way that you mentioned those three things, how, how have you been inspired by NLP? I, I know that this is, this is sort of recent for you, the NLP, is that right? Yeah, I, I, I started, I started going for my certifications, um, only a couple of years ago. But that's because that's because I knew that I was sunsetting one career. Mm-hmm. I was going to be semi-retired. I was completely retired from the pulpit, but I knew that uh, I was going to create an encore career. Yeah. And NLP was just adding one more one more tool to my toolbox. Yeah. And it it's to me it's just like an a parallel train track. That mm-hmm. most of the things that I've studied, they're like many trains on parallel tracks. They're all very similar, right. and they they complement each other all leading to that same ocean. So uh, for for those that don't know what is NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, um, yeah. what what is it? How is how have you been inspired by this? How how has that seemed to be so aligned with with, with your teachings already? So my understanding of neuro-linguistic programming is almost identical to my understanding of practicing the science of mind. And for those of for those who don't don't know what that is, um, science of mind is not science of brain. Mind is a synonym for what some people call God or universe. So it's like the science of God or the science of life. Neurolinguistic programming for me is like a it's like a an owner's manual for the individual. Uh, if there everything is programming. Everything is programming and strategies. Uh, the way I brush my teeth is strategies. The way I fight, the way I make up, the way um, the way I get to work, the way I prepare for a podcast, the the way I get ready for dinner. All of it is strategies and programming. And if it's not producing the results I want, change the programming. Like if I'm not getting to the destination to which I wanted to head, change the path. I heard somebody say once, um, "You might be." You might be, you might be climbing the ladder, but the ladder may, you might be on the right ladder, but that ladder may be leaning against the wrong wall. So um, what they all have in common, NLP, science of mind, religious science, um, almost any modality I've followed, they, they all point to the importance of integrity. And do you, do you mind if we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, having lived in Northern California for two and a half decades, I, I noticed that in, integrity is often is often used as a, a statement of morality. Like, you're late, you're out of integrity, which basically they're saying, you're late, you're a bad person. And when I use the word integrity, I, I'm... I'm not using it that way. Yeah, I'm using integrity distinct as workability. So when I say I'm going to do something and I don't, 
It's not a moral issue. It's just not a workable issue. I don't don't get the kind of results that I want. And I'm bringing this up, Travis, because it's the important distinction between um, my word and words. Some people really get hung up on words. You're not using the right words or the words in the Bible or the Quran or the Veda or the Dhammapada or the, the Bhagavad Gita. And we can get tripped up by words. I mean, even in religious science, I say, I release, I release these words, but these words are just words. My word is more than words. So in integrity has been a really keen interest of mine. You know, I was wondering why is it, why is it that some prayers seem to work and some prayers don't? That's, that's a question I, I pondered for years and I, I don't know for anybody else, but I know for myself that when I say I'm going to go to the gym and I don't, when I say I'm not going to eat that extra chocolate and I do, when I say I'm not going to be bitchy at my friends and I am, then, then I'm not a man of my word. So, so what I'm saying doesn't produce results. So, I can't expect that prayers will produce results because my word doesn't mean anything because I say things and I don't mean it. So I don't think that when when I pray that God is some reluctant deity that's kind of sadistic and kind of withholds things. And if I pray just right, then I persuaded God to give me what I want or to let go of the goodies. That's never worked for me. I'm beginning to to really to really get on a deep level that the reason it's important that I keep my word is because then when I pray I'm speaking my word it's going to happen because I'm taking a stand for it because I know that my word means something mm-hmm. now I'm not sure if I went down a rabbit hole no uh, I I like where you went because the the integrity and the wholeness that that is that is an, an essential goal or or driving purpose for transpersonal psychology. The the etymology of those words, the study of the soul transforming, transcending the personal or the ego to to the the but the goal of that is the transformation into a wholeness or maybe maybe a sum of the parts that are greater than the the original whole. And so you, you're 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 further expanding, and and the the awareness, the consciousness is further expanded and grown upon. Um, so I, I think this is fascinating. The integrity. I'm I'm gonna dive again, and I I'm 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 interested in this connection of you said the programming of of NLP. The uh, uh, th- this is all the programming, and then and then our word being more powerful than our words. How do how does one, you know, I guess you 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 do it through action, maybe through the ways that you are conscious of your of your being in a in a place. Say you're going to be you know kind in this place, so you're being conscious with your with your word and your intentions to be in such a way, so that uh, that is the program that you continue to condition yourself with. Uh, my current research is interested in this aspect of agency of the individual. I think it's a really important concept for 
spiritual traditions across the world in in all in all ways because at some level that there's there may be a certain spiritual thought or uh, perspective uh, might be that we are in a determined universe we're in a determined world that um it, it's only god that is making all of our decisions for us uh god it's god's will and and none of my own um where where do you fall in and or where 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 do you uh per, perceive as like the intersection of somebody making a choice to do the conditioning of their own their own neurolinguistic programming doing the, the work of of being in integrity with their word and 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 it is just sort of happening to you. It, 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 I don't know. Is that clear? I think it is. Okay. <laughs> or it, is, it is as much as my, as, as my mind can grasp it. Yeah. Being, being a pulpit minister for so long was a real blessing because I promised myself very early on that I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, get on a stage and ask someone to do something that I myself was not willing to do because I guess deep down inside and maybe not so deep, maybe even on the surface, I'm pretty cynical. And one way to override my cynicism um, about others was to make sure that I stayed in integrity with my own word. So I remember um, I, I would sit in, I sat in many, many congregations in my lifetime and the cynic in me would be, you know, sort of like a curmudgeon, just arms crossed, like, I don't believe them. You know, this, there was a part of me that was just doubting because like, what they were saying wasn't, wasn't seeming to resonate with what I was feeling or seeing or sensing in the room. There was a, a disparity. So I promised myself that I would only I would only ask people to consider doing something if I myself was doing it. So what was your question? <laughs> I, I actually, I remember, if you don't mind me stepping on your words, I remember yeah, yeah, yeah. where I was going with this. Mm. Where I was going is in all of that time, I was aware that I would, I would in, in metaphors or stories or illustrations or parables, just describing what's going on in my life and in my week, and and inviting people on a journey to explore their own lives and their own experience, I noticed that that it's not uncommon for people to sit in a congregation or to sit in a room listening to a speaker or to to watch or participate in a podcast for people to continue to seek more information or more understanding. So, but the 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 level below that was was that understanding means nothing if action doesn't follow it. So you can have all this knowledge in the world, like God is good, life is good, there's no limits, but you're still living um, cranky and grouchy and angry and reactive. So all this knowledge is irrelevant. And I, I, I have this image in my head, understanding how a push-up works, but not doing the push-up doesn't get you results. Yeah. Conversely, not understanding how a push-up works, but doing a push-up will get you results. So it's almost as if understanding is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And and I did a lot of study. One of the first gifts that Mauricio, my mate, 
one of the first gifts he gave to me. Uh, we we had been dating about a year, and he gave me a, a slalom ski. It's a, it's a single water ski. Mm-hmm. And I remember receiving this and thinking, this is the worst gift I've ever gotten in my entire life. Like, he knows nothing about me because, you know, I'm kind of a nerd. I was back then kind of a fashionista, total surface level, shallow. My sister said, uh, David, you're about as deep as a puddle. I I received this gift thinking, you don't know anything about me. Well, it turns out he knew more about me than I thought. It turns out I'm a little bit of an athlete. And it turns out I absolutely love being physical. But why I'm bringing up that ski, I did all kinds of research on YouTube, watching videos, how to do it, how to do it. And it really comes down to this. The only way to learn how to ski is in the water. It's the only way to learn how to do it. And the only way to learn about God is to actually dive into it. The only way to learn about who you really are is to be willing to go in into those dark, deep recesses and, and corners. The only way to, to experience a world that works for everyone is by expressing possibility, generosity, forgiveness. So, so the distinction is to get out of my head and get into my life. That was a real big thing. And that was probably one of the focuses of my ministry, which is pretty much the place in which you and I met. Yeah. was get out of my head, get into my life. So if it's true that life can be good, then I need to be an expression of it. Yeah, so th- th- that, that's great. It, it seems like that puts the, the act, the, the yourself as a verb, as an action, as a doing in the world, being in the world, getting out of your mind into your life. That that it seems like that that puts you know the that doing the push up is more valuable than understanding how the push up works. But then you know the like you know how how much of the you know then then at what is is the conditioning how important is the conditioning if like um, if you've ever seen that that like iceberg it's like a little bit of it is the conscious piece above the water and then the 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 bigger portion the majority of the portion is the unconscious it's a, mm-hmm. it's under the under the surface of the water so is my action that that little bit that is above the water more important than the than this big unconscious conditioned piece and I, and, and maybe you know this is just a, a question that just goes on like is there is there any like good perfect answer to it maybe not um it's just a just an, an inquiry um, it's a that, beautiful uh, inquiry i'm i'm moved by that travis yeah actually that's and that's pretty deep yeah so in in the organization through which i got my certifications for nlp and coaching that's that's in addition to my former life as a clergyman there is much conversation about how the minority of information we take in is conscious and the majority of information we take in is unconscious. Now, I'm about to give you, give you some numbers. And these are numbers that I learned in the classes, <clears throat> my certification classes. I don't think they're verifiable, but that's irrelevant. I think it might be metaphorical. So they would say, we take in about 186 BPS bits per second of information consciously through what we hear, see, smell, taste, 
and feel. We've taken about 186 bits per second, but we've taken about 2 million bits per second unconsciously. And that, that unconscious side is available and accessible to every individual, you and me and your Aunt Teresa. We all have access. Most people are not curious enough to really explore it. So what they will do is get in the stands of their life, watch the arena of their life, but never get onto their life because they're in their head with what they think they know consciously, when all the while everything they need to do to produce results actually exist for them. So I'm keenly interested in exploring the unconscious for information, guidance, access. And one of the ways I've, I'm, I'm finding solutions is uh, working with a Jungian therapist who's, who's helping me to interpret and discover the information that's coming through my dreams. Every one of us have dreams. People say, I don't dream. Everybody dreams. Most people don't remember. But I, um, I had a therapist friend who said, every night your unconscious is writing you text messages and sending you emails. You should at least be polite enough to read them. So I'm, I'm paying attention to the, that iceberg below the water because that's where those impulses are poking and prodding us. And also that's where the programming is. My Aunt Teresa is going to be so happy that you shouted her out. <laughs> I'm just, you don't really have an Aunt Teresa, right? I have an Aunt Teresa. Yeah, I, have oh, an Aunt I was kidding. I, I don't know if she watches my podcast, but uh, I'm an Aunt Teresa. Uh, and um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's 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 really interesting. We do have the opportunity to explore that two million bits of information that is there. Um, you know, so many people have a an inbox of emails, 20,000 emails that have not been opened. I, I am I, I'm one of them. I have like a like a junk email. And then I yeah. had to, I, instead of trying to clear that up and make that work, I just created a new email. Uh, and then, and then this new email will be like the more professional email. And then that other one will be kind of like where junk goes to, but um, have some respect enough for your own life, your own mind to, uh, to open those emails, open those text messages is really beautiful. So um, I want to shift here a little bit. I know that you and I both love so much this is like my uh early on i had a uh, an aunt sandy so now aunt sandy is going to be really happy that i shouted her out too um aunt sandy she is my mother's sister uh and she is hearing so my mo my mother is deaf my my aunt sandy was um she was worried or, or maybe not worried but um, she saw that it is really valuable for a child to have somebody that would read to them. And so um, her and I developed uh, a really strong bond and relationship around Harry Potter. And mm. so Harry Potter, her and I would read uh, the Harry Potter books. And um, at, at first, maybe, you know, book one, she probably read all of book one, but I would read some of it. And, uh, and then, and then we move on, we talk about the books, uh, eventually the movies started coming out, we'd watch the movies and things like that. And, uh, Harry Potter, um, just can like, over the years, it has, uh, maybe 
maybe when we were first, uh, when I was first into it, it was great. And um, uh, I, I, I didn't have the, the, uh, the intuitive understanding of, of the spiritual underlying or, or the hero's journey, uh, the principles and all of the, all of the golden nuggets and wisdom that is built into the story. I didn't understand it, but for, for JK Rowling, the author of Harry Potter, um, for her to have uh, created set, uh, a book that is um, that is sold in some areas more that you know just just such a high volume selling book um it, it just it speaks to how well she was able to um uh, to uh, bring in the uh the for for the youngians the collective unconscious symbolism the archetypal symbolism into that into that story into that narrative and and because of that it has all of the beautiful uh wisdom in it uh that that, that we value so much and over the years over my my you know growth and development in spiritual understanding and in this in this field of transpersonal psychology uh for sure for your your sermons that um in the in the center for spiritual living the the science of mind all, all these different books that it has it has uh become you know some some other seeds and other fertilized uh fertilizers that can be used to to gain an, an even deeper understanding of the the narrative and the story of Harry Potter, um, can you can you tell us uh, about your love for Harry Potter? Yeah, let, let me let me um, let me give context that that I'm aware of the current controversy going on with Joe Rowling and and um, trans activists and. And That's if you true. don't mind, and, uh, and this is June. Uh, this is a LGBTQ month, uh, LGBTQ awareness month. Um, so uh, it's good to to give that background. So, I, I I forget that J.K. Rowling has that uh, controversial thing. I, I do I do too, and I I'm actually grateful that I do because I'm able to bracket that and put it aside. Just like there were some people who would say things about the Bible that could be offensive, hurtful, demeaning, degrading, but um, in in shunning the wisdom that comes from the Bible or the Quran or any of the, the great books, um, we we miss the wisdom that's being presented because we get caught up in it. So I I want to bracket that that controversy, but just to say that I'm aware of it. In a nutshell, um, the message is so profoundly moving, and it's so in alignment with every great tradition I've ever read. Basically, that. No matter who you think you are, no matter how your life is working, no matter how abused or or forgotten or neglected or mistreated you are, um, you have the ability to create magic and that you have a great wealth that exists within your reach and you just don't know it. And and one of the the things that first appeared to me moving in the in the stories of Potter in all seven books is that if you're not trained in using your spiritual tools, if you're not trained, you can be messy with them. But typically you're more powerful when you're angry or afraid. But often you will burn people or hurt people with your power when you're angry or afraid. So when you consciously learn how to use it, um, it amplifies its power and you can use it on purpose for specific results. That that's a, That's a horrible way of diminishing or 
I thought that that was an amazing way of of speaking to it. So uh, so do not <laughs> do not okay. minimize what you just said there. Uh, I think uh, I think that that was incredible. No matter how much you're neglected, no matter like the, no, no matter what your the circumstances of the the soil that you have grown through the dirt and the mud that you have grown from, no matter what those initial maybe foundational circumstances have been in your life. Um, it, there, there's still a wealth of of magic and uh, and and accessible. And if you're if you're not if you're not conscious and practicing and 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 getting better and opening those emails, opening those unconscious emails and and diving in diving in to know more about yourself and and how the how the tools apply to you, your relationship to them, how you can use them uh for 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 greater good if you're not doing that then your anger your frustration your your emotional upheaval your emotional uh charging uh in in negative ways can be very powerful and in ways that might not be serving your best good or the people around you and so and so it, there there is a value in knowing that i'm i'm thinking of like ron weasley having a having a, a broken wand, like, a wand, you know, and then, and then he gets, he gets angry and he, and he, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the movies and the books, but the, uh, he gets angry and he, and he wants to uh, put a curse for uh, slugs. Malfoy. Sorry. Eat slugs. Eat slugs. Yeah. Eat slugs. Eat slugs. And then he eats the slugs. Yeah. Because it rebounded on him. Right. It rebounded on him. So there, there, there's all of these like uh, cool little nuggets in there. I really love how uh, another maybe controversial. I'm sorry to, to bring all in this like uh, controversy stuff, but uh, you know another uh, potentially controversial figure is jo- uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson. But um, he had inspired uh, some of the ways that I look at uh, Harry Potter. Um, he, he had spoken about uh, the 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 micro cosm or the the meta game that is quidditch and mm-hmm. quidditch is this there's this seeker there's you know harry potter is he he has he has no father no mother right they 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 passed away when he was very young um because uh they they were murdered so and, and so now he has this foster parenting and there's a there's like a there's an archetypal uh, archetypal symbolism of the the hero uh, having um, having no uh, parents or or no father, no mother, um, that at the beginning of their story, that this is like now getting into some Joseph Campbell stuff, like the mm-hmm. beginning of the story, not having your parents um, is is a, is a part of the narrative. But then, but then you in your life are a seeker. You you're 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 seeking what you're seeking your golden snitch. You're seeking like your your purpose, your mission, your maybe your drive. And that golden snitch is also um, the philosopher's stone in 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 alchemical uh, like writings and and symbolism and stuff. It's this like gold ball with wings on it, and and that is the philosopher's stone. That is that is um, that is how you uh, maybe the your legacy, uh, your your immortality in the legacy that you build for your for your life. That is by grabbing that golden snitch, and and then. It's you know, and it it also gives you all of the gold in the world as well. But the the grabbing of that golden snitch 
It's like the hero is uh, happy to do that and it is seeking that and it, it's purpose driven. It's 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 a part of the mission. And in Quidditch, they're they're flying around. You have like you have your haters. You have like bludgers going around. You have like circumstances of your everyday life. You have your Malfoys and stuff trying to get your golden snitch away from you and things like this. Uh, people in the crowd trying to curse you from from the stands when they're not willing to step in the ring. And Harry Potter, he gra- uh, him grabbing that golden snitch is not just a celebration for him, but maybe even more so it's a celebration for the house that he is a part of, for his community, for his family, for uh, for for the, all of the Gryffindors. And, and it's almost like even other schools, because he he took down the foe that is Slytherin in, in that in that case, in that micro that micro game, that meta game then everybody the whole school is celebrating the uh the success of that hero once they've once they've succeeded in grabbing that golden snitch and so it's like th- th- there's a lot of beautiful golden nuggets and uh and it's uh it's always um uh it pl- pleased me a little bit to see how uh how uh you know how, how like close to your heart uh harry potter uh seems to you so it's it's really cool yeah you and i could we could totally nerd out on this Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, uh, I, I'm I'm curious. Uh, one other thing about um, spiritual involution, in involution, involution, involution. Um, can you tell us about what what is that? Somewhere in my learning, and I don't remember exactly where, because I can still hear it. It's echoing in my head that before. You have spiritual evolution, you must have spiritual involution. Before things can evolve, you must involve. And I don't even know what to do with that, but oftentimes when I'm writing, those that word pops that through my pen, and I almost always use a pen. I don't I don't I don't typically journal this way or this way. Almost always it's I mean, I, I got my pens right here. It's so old school. Frequently, the word involution comes out. It's a, it's a reminder for me. I must involve myself in my life before it can evolve. And that's probably as deep as I can go right now because I don't have language for it. I, th- I think that that is uh, plenty deep and, and it has a, it, it, you know, to to be to have depth like even like great teachers and mentors and guides gurus and sermons ministers all of the uh, depth does not require a lot of language so the, the the conciseness of it can be plenty deep enough and i think what you said in just very few words is pl- plenty deep enough the the spiritual involution it, and and it's a great like summary of a lot of the the golden nuggets that one could receive from listening to this conversation that, that, that the involving being involved in your life. I have, I'm, I've been reminded a couple of times during this conversation, I have a little book called, um, uh, you are a verb and, 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 huh. and is a, you, you are an action. You are a verb in the world. You are, it, it is for you to, uh, spiritually involve yourself. That involution will, um, in, is that that that's the trajectory to your that that's the guiding north star for your uh for your spiritual development your development in in many areas of your life so um i i think that this is uh such a wonderful conversation thank you so much david bruner i really appreciate it i really appreciate you i love you very much uh, i i just 
Um, I, you know, I only know you from like the sermons. I know you from a uh, little, uh, little side conversations. I don't, I, but, but I, but I love your authenticity. I love, I love the essence of who you are as a man. And I'm, you know, just, uh, uh deeply grateful to have a relationship with you. Thank you so much. I feel and think the same about you, Travis Gray, Mr. Travis Gray. That always <laughs> makes me Dr. Travis Gray soon. I'm working on it. It'll be doctors. When, when does that happen? Um, uh, today. Uh, so, like this conversation will go out a little bit later, but but today, uh, I I I'm starting my study. So, uh, I, I it's it has to get through this ethics committee, um, and then um, I'm I'm hoping uh, by September I will be walking for um, for the PhD. <laughs> thank you so much david i it's, appreciate it's it a, it's a joy to be with you travis thank you very much for inviting me it's it's good to see you good to see you okay take care thank you, thank you. Who is this man? Talk to you. Talk to you.